This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and today our interview with Alex Volkanovsky is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Hey now, you ever notice there are like a million MMA clothing brands out there? But how do you know what's good? How do you know what you can trust? How do you know where to sink your hard-earned dollars when you want to buy fightwear? Well, I'm here to tell you. It's ADK Fightwear. They have sick graphics, durable material, and it's not going to break the bank. But here's the crazy part. But wait, there's more. If you go to ADKFightwear.com and enter in promo code TURTLE, that's all one word, TURTLE, get yourself a 10. No, scratch that. 15. No, scratch that. A 17.5. No, scratch that. A 20% off discount. And this is gear that wasn't that expensive to begin with. We're practically giving it away for free at ADKFightwear.com. Head over there. They bring you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. And that starts right now. David Tremonti with Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and I have the pleasure of speaking with Alexander Volkanovsky, who fights Darren Elkins at Fight Night Boise next month, July 14th. Uh, Alex, let's get right into it. You're on a four-fight win streak. Uh, you haven't fought a big name yet. Was it a surprise slash relief when they came to you with the name of Darren Elkins? Yeah, well, yeah, definitely was, because I was... Uh... You know, we we're pushing for someone in the top, you know, top fifteen, and you know, wanted to fight in the US. So we we're waiting a while. They threw a couple of names at us, and I don't think any of them sort of bit. But uh, then, then they sure come back to us with Darren Elkins. You know, even higher up. You know, I was thinking anywhere from you know fifteen to, you know, not inside the top ten anyway. And I was uh, when once I heard that six five win streak. You know, that's it's unreal. I to be honest, I think he should be ranked even higher. So this is a massive fight. And I think if I, uh, you know, go out there and do my thing and finish in a, you know, crazy fashion, this could really, really set me in the, you know, the, the top 10 rankings. Yeah, it's a perfect opponent. Like you said, he could almost be ranked higher. You know, he had that massive comeback win off of Mursad Bektik. He's on a six-fight win streak. He's notoriously one of the more durable fighters uh, in the division does that change your approach at all? He, like you, you know, he's very durable, and he also he has a lot of good takedowns. Yeah, it's definitely true. Yeah, obviously, I watched that Mursad uh, Bektik fight, and mate, that was uh, unbelievable uh, for him to come back. But the problem is, I believe I'm going to be put in that same punishment, but I will not tire. I, I train too hard. I I'm known for grinding people out, you know, just like him. But while I'm actually doing the da- damage rather than eating the damage. So I just think it's if he's as durable as he as he seems, it's just going to be three rounds of absolute punishment. You know, I, I don't mean this as any disrespect, but I just think I'm a bad matchup for him. Uh, him grind, trying to grind me out, even if it comes to wrestling and stuff, that, you know, that's my world. I could do hours of that. Of that. So, you know, I'm, I'm here in New Zealand training really hard, and uh, that's why I'm right now. I'm at the recovery lounge because uh, my body's there. Uh, Feeling a bit bit achy, so I need to you know get that recovery good so I can get back into it. So we're, we're training real hard here, and I'm preparing for for an absolute war. And you know I, I think I can go out there and finish him in the earlier rounds. But you know if he does, if he is as durable as he's you know shown, I think it's just going to be a, a longer a longer punishment beating for him. To be honest, 
Wow, very interesting. Now, you, you've been on our show before. We've spoken about your background coming up as a rugby player. I think what's just been, I don't know, it's been surprising, I think, to a lot of people to watch your performances, Alex. They have conjured up images of Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, of GSP. Your ground and pound and your top control is just extremely excellent. Can you walk us through again? What is your background uh, and what do you attribute to having such good top control? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I used to play rugby league and I was a big boy, so I'm used to, I'm used to, you know, throwing a bit of weight around and stuff like that. So, yeah, now that I'm fighting a featherweight, you know, 66 kilograms, you know, these guys seem so light. You know, a lot of people think I should be fighting in a even lower division, like a bantamweight or something. But, you know, I don't need to. You know, I feel very, very strong in this uh, division, as you could see. But you know, I've just, man, honestly, since my first loss uh, a few years back, you know, that that really made me realize that I should be fighting in these lower divisions because that was a at welterweight that my first my first and only loss against mm. a pound for pound number one in the Southeast Asia Australia so I shouldn't should have never really took that fight it was way too early in my career in a weight I should never have been in but I did learn as cliche as it is I did learn so much from that you know it made me realize all right I'm going to start losing weight and get down to these proper weights weight divisions that you know definitely I'm five foot five so you could imagine you know, my, like, you know what I mean? Like, I should not be fighting in, in welterweight. You know, even, I'm the, I think I'm the shortest featherweight in the division. Yeah. So that's, um, you know what I mean? And, and not just that, I ended up doing a lot of grappling. And, you know, because that loss, you know, he was able to control me and I never wanted that to happen again. And now it's, you know, that's one of my strong points, you know. So most people look at me as a grappler. I think I'm very well-rounded. I haven't really shown as, uh, all my skills yet in the, in the cage. But um, I think this fight you will. But, you know, it's just that top game, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I've always got to answer for something. If if I'm holding and they, you know, I'm always looking at the next best uh, movement. Well, I don't hang on to things. I'm happy to punch you in the face as you're transitioning into escapes. I'm following them and I'm punching you in the face at the same time. So, you know, if you get up, if you do well and get up, I don't really care. I'll punch you and take you back down and just repeat the process. You know, again, I've got that grinding style, same as, a, as a, um, Darren Elkins. And, you know, that's why I just don't think he will mentally break me. He he's broke his last couple of opponents, but I just think I'm a bad matchup. Again, I've got a lot of respect for him. He's a cool dude, tough dude, very durable, but I'm just the wrong wrong, wrong opponent. Just like Jeremy, Jeremy uh, Kennedy, same sort of situation. A lot of you know, He was thinking he was going to grind me out. He reckons he was the best MMA grappler in the division. He was coming off three wins in the, in the UFC, and, you know, he was undefeated. So, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, this – he might give me problems. But, again, once I grabbed the hold of him, I was just too strong and, you know, and I didn't look like I was tiring one bit and, you know, it was two, two rounds deep and I could have went another third round easily. <laughs> so it's still just, I don't know, it, like, boggles my mind being that you don't have the background in American wrestling, you didn't grow up as, like, a grappler. You know, you think of Habib, who was wrestling bears as a nine-year-old, whose dad had him in Sambo, from, you know, diapers. And, and obviously with GSP too, you know, GSP is a takedown artist and great at ground and pound. And he didn't grow up American wrestling, but he had the stories of, you know, driving down to New York and going to Henzo Gracie's Academy. And he's obviously an athletic guy, just like you, but you mentioned, you know, you're really good at when people try to move, you're going to stay on them and punch them in the face. Is that something 
that you think is instinctual, is athletic? Did someone teach you certain techniques for ground and pound that you would say is the reason you're so good at it? Or is it just something that comes naturally to you? I think a lot of a lot of my things come naturally. I end up watching, mm. like, and even if when I'm getting taught uh, moves, a lot of times I'll, they'll teach me something that I sort of always done. I'll be like, oh, man, I'll do that. It's nice to know that that's an actual move. I'm not just doing <laughs> anything, you know what I mean? I'm not just – it's not only working because I'm bullying, you know, the, the, the actual movement. But, um, you know, so I just always naturally, you know, had a good base. But in saying that, I used to wrestle when I was younger. Before I rugby league, I actually done like a year or two wrestling. I was a national mm. champion in that. I don't know. I've uh, got that out there a few times, but maybe that hasn't reached you yet. But, yeah, I, I've done a little bit of wrestling. I, I wish I stuck to it, but, you know, I think uh, the the little tights uh, sort of threw me off, so I wanted to play rugby <laughs> league with the mates. But but I reckon that's where I had the, the base from. So I've always had a good, you know, center of gravity and good base, a uh, wrestling base, and, and you can see that. So I think it's just a lot of it's natural, but now, you know, I, you know, I started uh, – at Tiger Muay Thai, I went full-time and, and got a scholarship there and done a lot of wrestling over there as well. And, you know, just doing it full-time, you know, being in the gym full-time, really, really just – I just leveled up. And, again, I understand the game. I'm the type of person that I don't just do the movements that I'm told or do the moves I'm told. I actually want to understand why they work. So I could, you know, someone could show me one move and I could learn five different moves just from the, the keys and, you know, the little – things that, that, that make that move work, I can use that in so many different uh, positions. So I, I like to understand the movements, and I think that's what's uh, helped me for, through this uh, process so quickly. That's fascinating. And and how old were you when you did the two years of the national wrestling? Oh, I would have been 14. You know, no, it was before because I, uh, I started playing rugby league when I was 14 years, years old, so it was before that. So it would have been like 12 and 13. I can't even remember. 13. Yeah, I can't even remember yeah. how – how, how long I'd done it for. I think it was only like one year or maybe two years. I played soccer before that. I wasn't mm. that good at it. So I <laughs> done wrestling. I was good at it. And I don't know, maybe it just, you know, didn't have enough mates doing it. And again, you know, wearing the tights and things like that might have threw me off. I don't know. I was young and silly, but I wish I stuck to it. But then I just played rugby league. And I actually wasn't too bad at rugby league. But, I, you know, I had a couple of fights my last year of uh, rugby league. And, you know, we won the grand final, got me into the match. You know, I ended it on a good year, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to take on uh, MMA. It's the best decision I ever made. Now, I'm in the UFC and doing what I love. Yeah, absolutely. It seems to all work out. 4-0 and in the UFC, and now with a big fight against Darren Elkins. Now, you seem like you have a pretty good handle on your career trajectory. Um, you know, you knew you wanted someone ranked maybe 15-10 to 10 with a win over Darren Elkins, and I know you're not looking past anyone or anything like that. Do you have a name that you might want to call out in that octagon at the end of this fight? Or are you just looking strictly for anyone in the top 10 after this one? Yeah, look, at the end of the day, I want to be successful. And to be successful, you need to, you know, take out these top guys. You know, I want that belt. So I know I've been calling out the bad guys and whatnot. None of them were biting, you know what I mean? So they'll probably start to bite once I'm higher ranked and I'm going to get guys lower ranked trying to, oh, yeah, you know, talk, play the bad guy. But, you know, they might uh, miss, might have missed their opportunity. Right now, you know, I do this for my family. So winning fights and taking out these top, top dogs means money and means I can look mm-hmm. after my family. So that, that's what comes first. And if I can get someone in the, the top, you know, five after this or something that's yeah, highly ranked and likes to talk a bit of trash, 
that's just the bonus. So I'll be laughing, then I'll enjoy uh, punching them in the face. <laughs> well, there's a very big matchup on the horizon, and I'm not saying that, you know, with the next win you're going to be uh, next in line for the title, but I, you're going to be in the mix coming up here in the next year or so. I have no doubt of that. And there's a very big fight 100%. next month between... There's a very yeah absolutely, and there's a very very big fight against uh, Max Holloway and Brian Ortega fighting for the belt. I'm just curious, as someone else in the division, what's your take on that fight? Do you have someone you think has a clear cut advantage in that fight? Man, it's, it's an interesting fight. I think uh, Max Holloway's, you know, he's a his stand up's going to be too good for Ortega. I know Ortega's got some good timing, um, but I just think yeah, Max Holloway does you know just moves a lot a lot better and has a has a lot more to offer when it when it's on the feet and he's a grinder now he can go five rounds easily so he's fit mm. and i know he's not going to shoot any takedowns because you do not really want to you know you, you can't be carelessly taken down ortega he will wrap that neck up so quick so you know you've got to really have good setups and you know that's not max holloway's game but the thing is um, will Ortega take Max Holloway down? I don't think so. So Ortega doesn't really have the wrestling to do that. He usually just will stand up. If you try and push the, the takedown, he'll go straight to jiu-jitsu, and, and he's really good at it. It's been working well for him. He's undefeated. So, you know, I just don't think it's a, it's a good matchup for him. I think uh, mm. Max Holloway will uh, just be able to edge him on the feet the, the whole fight. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Well, Alex, we can't thank you enough for the time. We're really looking forward to this fight. Uh, it's you versus Darren Elkins at Fight Night Boise on July 14th. Uh, we wish you the best of luck in that fight, Alex, and hopefully we'll catch catch up with you after it's over. No worries. Thanks for having me, and make sure you tune in. I'm going to be putting on a show, that's for sure. And that interview was, of course, brought to you by Garage Fit. Look, we don't have time to get to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, MMA practice, and get to the gym for a high-quality workout. But luckily for you, there's a place where you can get a high-quality workout, and that's at your home if you supply your home with GarageFit. So go to garagegym.net, check out what they got there. They got your your weighted vests, your heavy bags, uh, your weighted ropes, all that kind of stuff that you might need so that you can get fit at home. Once again, go to garagegym.net. And we, of course, are Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com, and that was Dave's interview with Alexander Volkanovsky. Dave, what was your favorite part of that interview? Well, it actually it was my favorite part and also my least favorite part as an interviewer. I was trying to get to the bottom of what makes him so good at ground and pound because obviously – he is uh, head and shoulders above some of his compatriots when it comes to the art of ground and pound. And, you know, I was talking to him about Habib or GSP, and I think he falls more on the GSP side than the Habib side. What he felt made him so good, as you heard, was his athleticism. So, you know, he did his year or two of high school wrestling, but was that really, you know, I just, I can't make that account for what makes him so good at ground control. He felt it was his athleticism. So to me, that's a little more GSP than it is Habib. Habib's ground control comes from just precision technique from wrestling bears from age six and probably Sambo from when he was in diapers. But it's that sort of, um, I, I don't know, I guess just the genesis of his ground and pound just fascinates me, you know? Yeah, it's really interesting, too, to see a guy at that light of a weight class 
be so good. And I know he's only one below Habib or two below GSP, but if you really think of those like WEC era divisions, you know, featherweight, bantamweight, and flyweight, and you think about how they're, they haven't really had killers as far as grounded pound goes. I mean, like, you could sort of point to Chad Mendez, who has, like, good wrestling but not good grounded pound. I, like, can't think of anybody in those weight classes other than Volkanowski, who's been a killer at grounded pound. Yeah, and obviously we want to see him step up in competition, and that's what this is all well, about as he gets yep. into the top 15. But from everything we've seen up to this point, I think you're right. I think that's a phenomenal point, Gumby. Who at featherweight, who at bantamweight has been, like, the king of ground and pound in the way that, let's say, Habib, or, you know, you even go back to, like, a Matt Hughes, and then obviously a GSP, and how many guys, like, even a Weidman, let's say, at middleweight, um, have been able Mark to Coleman. that. Mark Coleman, as you get up into 205, yeah. So, that's very interesting, and he's also shorter than everyone, whatever that yeah. means. At, closer to gravity, or gravity pulling him down. I don't know, but it's really impressive to watch, and it excites me. And I'll tell you what else excites me. Not just the surging career of Alex Volkanovsky. It's the overall career, and probably winding down, of Donald Cerrone, who fights this weekend in Singapore against Leon Edwards. It leads us into our combat countdown. The top five must-watch Donald Cerrone fights. The best, not just performances, but also good fights. So, Gumby, before we play the combat countdown, I just want to make sure I don't want to go too fast here. Are you ready? I'm fucking ready. It's time for the combat countdown. All right, then. We will start with the combat countdown. Top five must-watch Cerrone fights. And, uh, I don't know, Gumby, were there any honorable mentions here, or are we just going straight five? Yeah, I got an honorable mention. Uh, people are going to want to see two different fights on here. You're going to want to see Edson Barboza's war with him uh, because that was an absolute kicking clinic by both of them. And you're probably also going to want to see his like four-piece combo on Rick the Horror Story. Uh, but as far as like whole body of the fights, both of them had some like moments. But these five, you're going to see when we count them down, all you know, some of them 25 minutes, all 25 minutes of some of them are absolutely insane. So those ones just quite don't make the cut. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You wanted to get not only the performance, you wanted to mix it in with also a good fight. So we'll start with number five, certainly fits the criteria. Back in the Dizzy, Donald Cerrone versus Jamie Varner at WEC 51. Yeah, WC 51, you could watch 30 seconds of this and you will already be jacked up because Donald Cerrone sprints across the cage when this fight first starts, tries to throw a whole bunch of knees, eventually lands one, and it's murderous. It's got Jamie Varner on wobbly legs from the get-go, knocks his mouthpiece clean out, and the fight proceeds like that for another 15 minutes. Um, the knees that Cerrone lands in there and that Varner takes are just insane. And Varner gets a couple of good shots in there, too. So that is a must-watch fight for those of you who weren't fans of WEC back in the day. WEC 51, Cerrone-Varner is must-watch. So I love number four, uh, Donald Cerrone. At this point, somewhat of the Dana White favorite poster child. Uh, back at UFC 178, he welcomed Eddie Alvarez to the UFC. Yeah, and in just a crazy fight, and people, I feel like, forget about this fight. Donald mm, Cerrone beats agreed. champion Eddie Alvarez. 
You know, like all of these times we've talked about, like Donald Cerrone, is he hitting the end of his career? He never really quite was good enough to have the title. No, he was. He beat the champ, the future champ, Eddie Alvarez, uh, at UFC 178. And the most impressive part of it to me is he took Eddie Alvarez's best shots and never stopped coming forward. Uh, in like true Donald Cerrone fashion, no matter how hard he got hit, he kept moving forward and just so impressive against the guy who we'd later find out has some of the craziest, heaviest hands out there. So, uh, yeah, props to Cerrone for being able to do that. And let's never forget that Donald Cerrone is a guy who's beaten champions. Great point. Uh, number three, I love this fight as well. I love all these fucking fights. Christ, Cerrone has had such a crazy... Uh, for not being a champion, he's had, like, kind of a champion's career, so to speak. Mm-hmm. He's the uncrowned people's champion. We'll put it like that. But number three, he fought Melvin Gillard at UFC 150, and Christ, is this great. Oh, man, and, and it's funny, too, because we put most of these fights on this list. Most of them are decisions, but this one only lasts, like, a minute and a half because he gets stunned by a Melvin Gillard shot. This is back in the day when Melvin Gillard used to stun people with his hands. He stuns Cerrone. Cerrone responds by kicking him upside the head. And while he wobbles there in Mortal Kombat finish him mode, uh, Donald Cerrone sprints at him and lands one of the most vicious right hands to knock Melvin Gillard clean out. Uh, yeah, it's like the one of the most exciting one-round fights in the history of one-round fights. You know, it's one of those things, too, where Melvin Gillard, I'm just, we're bringing up the name, so I want to bring it up. Melvin Gillard, in the, you know, early days of the Ultimate Fighter, mid-2000s, he was kind of like that UFC prospect where you always thought he had, like, a five-fight win streak in him and maybe he could be a future title challenger if he just got certain aspects of his game down right, but always kind of disappointed you in the end. It's one of yeah. those things now where, like, how many 155-pounders are there? 70? Well, back in 2005, there were, like, 12. So a guy like Melvin Gillard, who right now would, let's face it, be completely lost in the shuffle and rank number 40, he was like a household name. In 2006. Do you agree with yeah, me on that? Yeah, that, that, that would actually be a really fun combat countdown for the future, too. Those guys you thought were going to make it and, and have one of those crazy runs and never did. I'd, I'd put Tyson Griffin in uh, Joe Daddy yes. Stevenson on my list, too. Yes, agree. <laughs> Tyson Griffin, a thousand percent. Uh, we'll have the intern mark that down for the future. We'll move to number two, uh, top flight competition uh, it's Donald Cerrone versus Matt Brown, UFC 206. Yeah, and, and you could just say these two's name, and if you don't remember the fight, you can picture how it went, because these two are absolutely not afraid to just throw down. So when you get two guys in front of you who love to throw down pretty much in identical ways, you get a fight like this, and... You know, I probably had Matt Brown winning this fight until he ducks just a little bit too much to his right and eats a left kick from Donald Cerrone that knocks him out hard. Cerrone doesn't even follow it up. He knows it's so good. Um, So, yeah, not only is this one like a fun back and forth fight, it showcases maybe Cowboy Cerrone's best finish of his career. Although I know you like the, the Rick Story one. Uh, Well, I love the Rick Story one from a four-piece combo, but this is what I'll say about Cerrone and Matt Brown. What I love about this fight, what I fucking love about this fight, is I find the UFC will shoot itself in the foot sometimes with their promotion to back up good matchmaking. 
Because any asshole on the internet could sit in their mother's basement and say, I want to see Donald Cerrone and Matt Brown have a violent war. And, you know, that's easy to do. And you start going crazy about what that fight might look like. And obviously the UFC is going to market it as such. Pay us money. Watch these two violent individuals have a war. And what ends up happening, more or less, when they promise us a war, it becomes something pretty boring, right? This fight... Kind of, you had everything you would want from a Donald Cerrone versus Matt Brown fight because it didn't end in 40 seconds. It didn't end in the first round. You actually got two great rounds of back and forth action and then Cerrone with the head kick in the third round, you got your violent end, but you weren't gypped out of your money in any way. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And that, that's 100% right. Sometimes they shoot themselves in the foot. This was not one of those times. No. Number one uh, is probably, along with Eddie Alvarez, the the best competition on the list. Um, and it's Donald Cerrone versus uh, former UFC lightweight champ, former WEC lightweight champ, Benson Henderson. But this one took place at WEC 43. Yeah, it's their first time fighting here. Cerrone versus Henderson in WEC 43. Five-round war, and it's the only fight on the list here that Cerrone doesn't win. Uh, even though, you know, we're looking at Cerrone's most exciting fights, it's kind of honoring Cerrone, it just seemed wrong not to have this fight at number one because it's his five-round war for the WEC lightweight title. And prime Henderson with prime Cerrone and prime Pettis all trading the title in WEC was such a good time to be a fan of the lightweight division. And it was so good here, too, because it was back and forth nonstop for a five-round war. And at the end, you weren't sure whose hand was going to get raised. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I highly encourage, if you have UFC Fight Pass or come this January, if you have ESPN+, Plus, go back and watch Donald Cerrone versus Benson Henderson at WEC. If you're a newer fan, if you came to MMA in the Connor and Ronda era, do yourself a favor, go back and watch some WEC fights. But right now, we'll go back and recount down our list just so we're all on the same page. Number five, it was Donald Cerrone versus Jamie Varner, WC 51. Number four, Donald Cerrone welcoming Eddie Alvarez to the UFC at UFC 178. Number three was Donald Cerrone versus Melvin Gillard at UFC 150. Number two, Donald Cerrone versus Matt Brown. Pretty recently, UFC 206 ended in the vicious head kick in the third round. And number one, back at WEC 43, a five-round war, Donald Cerrone versus Benson Henderson. We're talking so much about Donald Cerrone, Gumby. It's almost coincidental, almost like we planned it. I don't even know. But he's fighting this weekend at UFC Singapore, and we have our UFC Singapore breakdown Brought to you by a tremendous fightwear company. I'm talking about ADK Fightwear. You're going to want to meet them at the top. They're family owned. They have awesome gear for an affordable price. Head on over to ADKFightwear.com. Enter in promo code TURTLE, all one word, and get yourself, what is it going to be like, maybe a 5%, 10% discount? You're going to get 20% off if you use promo code TURTLE right now. That's right, 20% off if you go to adkfightwear.com, use that promo code TURTLE, and pick up some sweet gear. So the three fights we're going to break down for UFC Singapore, we're going to start with Cowboy Cerrone against Leon Edwards. You might be surprised to find out when you hear those two names, and even if you look at their rankings, that Cowboy Cerrone is a plus 180 underdog against Leon Edwards, who's a negative 270 favorite or a 200 favorite. I still like Cowboy Cerrone in this one. 
to me, Leon Edwards is going to need Cerrone to strike first and him to counter-strike. He's actually a far better counter-striker than he is an actual striker. And I just don't see Cerrone sticking around long enough after his combinations to get hit by Leon Edwards. So I'm going to go with Cerrone as a plus 180 underdog, which is a nice play if you're gambling on this one. Uh, secondly, I'm going to go with Tyson Pedro over Ovin St. Pru. Once again, if you look at those numbers next to their names in the rankings, you might think OSP might be a favorite. But OSP is actually a plus 105 underdog to Tyson Pedro's negative 120 favorite. So uh, even though Tyson Pedro is ranked all the way down at 13, and I think OSP is up at number 7, I like Tyson Pedro as a favorite. I can see why the bookmakers made it this way. He's just got way more weapons. Uh, you know, OSP's got that Von Flu choke. Tyson Pedro is pretty well versed in a whole bunch of different areas on the ground. He's got great control and he's got heavy hands. So as long as he can avoid that kick, I like Tyson Pedro here. And the third fight I like, and it's kind of hard to find three fights with uh, some big names on him, but I like Oka Sasaki over Janela Usa. Um, Sasaki is a negative 280 favorite to La Usa's plus 250. Uh, for those of you who don't know Oka Sasaki, he's a hell of a prospect at 125, really good flyweight, super, super tall for a flyweight, and he recently started working with Ray Longo, uh, been training with Aljamain Sterling with his grappling, so you might see some crazy things here out of Oka Sasaki. So once again, our three fights for this weekend, Cerrone over Edwards, Pedro over St. Pru, and Sasaki over La Usa. All right, well, that wraps up our show for this week. We, of course, want to thank our sponsors, ADK Fightwear and Garage Fit. Wouldn't be here without you, fellas. Everyone should go check out ADK Fightwear and Garage Fit. Also want to thank FlowCombat.com, our mothership. And we, of course, want to thank Alex Volkanowski. Hey, public service announcement. We have a YouTube channel. Go there. Check it out. Go to YouTube. Search for Top Turtle MMA. You'll get all our uncaged shows. We're adding extra content all the time. We appreciate a follow and follow the show on Twitter if you're not already at Top Turtle MMA. Did I forget anything? Did I leave anyone out, Gumby? No, that's pretty much it. So thank you once again to ADK Fightwear and to GarageFit. All right, we'll be back next week. I am Shockwave Dave. He is Daniel Gumby Reeland. This was Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We're out of here.